This should be played at high volume. Welcome to Out of Pocket. Welcome to Out of Pocket with Michael, Michael Davis, Davis. on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and WWBG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. We have a very special show for you. This is the podcast episode where we bring in a lot of podcast hosts. We'll have each and every segment and we got the guy. We got the producer of Tobacco Road Sports Radio. We also, he hosts the rundown on Saturday mornings, but he is the Believe in Panthers host is Mr. Desmond Johnson. Des, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Staying busy. It's uh, the busy time of the sports calendar with everything going on from NFL, March Madness, uh, NBA, everything. So it's it's a good time to be a sports fan on the calendar right now. It's a good time to be a sports fan. Uh, my March Madness bracket's already busted after yesterday. Uh, it, okay. it always happens. It's like those noon o'clock games. You know, Virginia goes down. Uh, Princeton won. Yeah, I, I I can't remember if I picked them or not. I did pick Furman uh, to big, to beat Virginia. So I was actually like at around five o'clock. I was still at like ninety eight percent on my bracket, which was nuts. Like the only one I hadn't missed was the uh, I picked Charleston to beat San Diego State, and they almost did. Uh, I think that was almost. the only one I missed. So at the time, I haven't checked it yet. And then of course the night games. So I don't know. It's the it's the only time ever I've done a bracket and I was like that high that far along in the afternoon because usually it's busted after the first round of games but same yeah i, I did okay this year i didn't really watch college basketball either so there, <laughs> not, there, not like that there's two things that are so disappointing one your march madness bracket being busted and two you and i both experienced this last week we got off air believe in panthers podcast runs out pocket runs and then like 30 minutes later the Carolina Panthers trade for the number one overall pick. Yeah. Me and Jackson and John did a whole mock draft. We're like, maybe Chicago keeps this pick, but hey, we're running through this mock. We'll we'll pick the Carolina Panthers pick next week on the show, which we'll drop those uh, mock drafts this Monday. Still trying to figure out how to do this. Mm. And Panthers are at number one now. And I, I, all week I've been racking my head around who are the Panthers trading up for? There's, there's not a guy. There's not an Andrew Luck. There's not anyone you're like, okay, that's a transcendent talent. You're going up and trading for him. So, Des, as the Believe in Panthers podcast host, you know you have conversations with Skyler Callahan. You have conversations with Jonathan Stewart. Where do you think the organization is leaning in towards of who they're selecting number one overall in this year's draft? Well, we know we know they're going to go quarterback. That they everything they've done free agent move wise has been geared towards plucking uh, or putting in a, a rookie quarterback on this team and, and going and, and trying to win some games in a division. Um, it, if they stay at one, because the rumor ha- is that you know they're open to trading down if something comes along. If like Houston falls in love with Bryce Young or something like that, they're willing to trade down one, maybe pick back up a second, that kind of thing. I don't think they're going to do all that. I think they went up to first for a reason because they want to control the draft. Um, right now, I, it's between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, more than likely. Um, I don't think they need to trade up to one for Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. So, nor do I think that you would give up as much stuff as they did for those two. Those two guys are more projects where Young is a bit more polished, not all of them. Stroud has them in size. Uh, so, they both have some qualities that they like. But from my understanding, the Panthers haven't really um, – targeted one guy they feel comfortable with a couple of guys and as they go through pro days and things of that sort they'll narrow it down from there uh but gm scott fitter he said it at the combine i think he said it when frank wright was hired in terms of you know if you have a guy you've got convictions for that guy you go get him you know you go trade up and you go get him uh and he's also said this is the year that can be sexy in the draft instead of building offensive line defensive line like they have the past two years they can get skill position players now they can go and get this that and a third so i I can't say who they're uh, focused on specifically, but I can say the position is quarterback and it's going to probably end up being either Bryce Young or CJ Stroud based on their pro days. Is there one that you're leaning towards personally in terms of Younger Stroud? It's it changes from week to week because I, I was totally against Bryce Young, uh, for the longest until probably about two or three weeks ago, right before they traded for the one. 
where he uh people are calling him a smaller version of pat mahomes pretty much that he's kind of got that it factor so i can kind of see that there i thought he was more of a kyler murray type that would kind of kyler always scrambles to the outside a lot and throws it bryce young stays in the pocket he uh he, he takes deep deep uh uh snaps and deep drops and he puts it in there and his favorite spot to throw on the field is the middle of the field which is the money throw in the nfl uh i thought that his size would affect him but if it was 1985, it probably would because those rules were designed to, to kill everyone. But today's NFL, you can barely touch the quarterback. So it, 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 I'm I'm coming back around on Bryce Young. Plus, I hear I think uh, that's Tepper's favorite is Young. Um, Frank Wright is a fan of CJ Stroud, if I'm not mistaken, because of his size. I think he's six three. Um, I saw some tape of him in the college football playoff where he played his butt off. I'd be happy with either one because again, I, I don't I don't believe there is a cam newton or andrew luck type in this draft but that doesn't mean you can't find uh, a 10-year starter at quarterback that especially in this division in the nfc south that can help you win immediately if they pick up fast enough and i'm more comfortable now with them trading up and drafting a quarterback in this draft because of the staff that they have hired uh coaching wise when i said i didn't want them to trade up before it was with either steve wilkes as head coach or not knowing who the head coach is now knowing the complete staff that's in place and all the experience and rings and everything else that's on his coaching staff. Uh, Frank Wright's a quarterback whisperer. I'm pretty confident that whoever they draft will be able to take the ground running, uh, whoever it may be. And it feels like, cause I'm in North Carolina, you're surrounded by Carolina Panther fans, you know, watch the believe in Panthers podcast. People are starting to buy into this being a new Carolina Panthers organization. Like this has been a very aggressive offseason so far. Going and getting Miles Sanders, mm-hmm. Von Bell in free agency. Those were just a couple of names that stood out. And it doesn't look like Carolina's done either. Yeah. They they uh I just saw they restructured uh Dante, Dante Jackson contract to free up some more money. Uh so yeah, they're not done shopping. Uh the team didn't have that many holes to begin with. They were just incompetent from the coaching staff from last year, but talent wise. That was the one thing that the previous regime I thought did fairly well in terms of drafting uh, Derek Brown, Jeremy Chin, J.C. Horn, J.C. Horn, Terrence Marshall Jr., uh, Ikea Kwanu, like all those draft picks came from the previous regime. So, I mean, they could identify talent. It was just once they got them in the, in the building, what were you doing with them was the problem. Um, the day to day game day decisions was the issue. I don't have an issue with that with this uh, particular coaching staff. There's way too much experience on this staff. And you're right. I think the. The Panther fan base has gone from being mad that Wilkes wasn't hired to curious about Frank uh, Wright and his background and everything else here. And then they started seeing the staff get put together and people were like, oh, okay. And then they started seeing the free agency stuff starting to happen this past week. And I am starting to sense a bit of uh, surprise because there was a lot of doubt. I think a lot of people are putting on this year's Panthers previous regimes, previous ownership. So I think it's the same old Panthers. And I keep saying that they are not the same. This is not the same regime. I have not seen any regime ever with Carolina Panthers that has been this aggressive in terms of free agency, in terms of what they're going after. And they're not lying to us. They're telling us straight up what they're doing. Scott Fitter has been on point for months telling us what the plan is and people didn't want to believe them. And now it's actually happening. And they're like, Oh, the Panthers are trying to be cute. They're trying to do something. Yeah, they are. So like they're, they're, they're going to be here for a minute. And this division is for the taking right now. There is no, three-year, four-year plan in NFL, you can flip this in 12 months. And uh, I think that's what they're trying to do. Especially in the NFC South right now. You know, you might play Derek Carr. That, that'll be your best quarterback in the division. You got Baker Mayfield, Atlanta. Who knows what they'll do if they'll stick with Desmond Ritter. So whoever comes in at number one, he, he has a chance. I don't know if you guys have the weapons around him, though. I feel like trading away DJ Moore – was definitely a step back in that regard. But I, I was looking at your draft picks because I was really worried, did you guys give a give too much away Mm-mm. to trade up to number one? But I was looking, you guys still have a second, a third, a fourth. They have, they have six picks. <laughs> they still have six from they used the, the the second they gave up was the McCaffrey second they got from the 49ers. So it's actually a late second round, like the end of the second. So it's really like a high third uh that they gave up for it. And then they spaced it out. So like one of those seconds is like 2024. Uh, and at that point, if everything's going according to plan, that's going to be a late second round pick too. So 
DJ was one of those where you had to ask yourself, would you rather give up DJ Moore or a third first round pick? And with DJ's contract getting ready to kick in, the extension they gave him last year, by letting DJ go at a position that you can pretty much replace in the NFL fairly quickly if you've got good scouts, they cleared their books going forward after the season, not counting extensions or anything they're going to eventually do. But they were going to have like $150 million in cap space uh, after this year. Now, that's different now because they've signed a bunch of free agents and some of those are multi-year deals. But it gave them room to play with going forward in the future. And uh, Frank Wright and company didn't draft DJ Moore. You know, that was two coaches ago. Like, you gotta ask, are you going to win a title with DJ Moore right now? Maybe if they do it this year, but odds are probably no. So you got to get rid of him while he's still got value. Uh, and Chicago took him instead. I would rather trade DJ more than a third first round pick in 2025 or whatever to move up to one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can replace DJ more. There's, there's wide receivers in this draft uh, that can be had. Um, Josh Downs at UNC is the first one that comes to mind when I'm thinking of a wide receiver that might be sitting. You would love that as a target fan. That would be great because uh, <laughs> I've seen him, you know, like him, uh, Zay Flowers. Uh, there's going to be guys out there at wide receiver where you don't have to keep the guy you just paid, you know, X amount of dollars to. And DJ's contract, to be honest, is actually kind of light because if you don't remember, he signed his deal last offseason before the dam broke and like Tyreek Hill and a bunch of these other wide receivers got these huge deals. Like if you look at DJ's deal compared to like Tyreek Hill, it's like pennies. So to be able to get that off the books and those years and give it to Chicago, in exchange for us to get up to where we want in the draft, it makes me feel like, okay, they're going to, they're still, if not the first pick, Scott Fitter, his whole MO is moving around the draft board. He's done it every year he's been here. So that second, that that high second we have, I don't even think we're going to keep it. I think we're going to trade it, move further down the second, probably pick up another third for some depth. And then there's some holes in the roster they can fill there. Are there any free agents in particular, especially at the wide receiver position? I thought Hayden Hurst was a good pickup in free agency this week. Yeah. Is there any receivers that you could plug in as a veteran right now? Uh, Adam Thielen came in for a visit on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, the Minnesota Vikings wide receiver. He caught 70 receptions last year uh, with the Vikings. Wouldn't mind having him. Uh, I know they looked at uh, Odell Beckham Jr.'s workout, but I think he's asking for like 18 to 20 million dollars a year or something like that. Odell's a no go, yeah. That don't really go for both that. of us, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I could see Odell end up in Dallas though, or something to that I effect, don't... but I, I just I can't see him here. Um, free agents for want Odell in Dallas though. There's uh, let's see, Lazard's already signed. They're supposed to be talking to D- DJ Chark from uh, Detroit, Jacks. Oh, Detroit, uh, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind him or Nicole Hartman uh, from Kansas City. They're supposed to be sniffing around him as well. So there's some guys out there uh, that could come in. And then they they still have Shai Smith. They still have Terrence Marshall Jr., who made a big leap the last quarter of the season last year. Um, he was from those LS, that 2019 LSU monster that pretty much every offensive skill player on that team has emerged as a star in the NFL. Um, and you got uh, LaVisca Chenault, who they traded for from Jacksonville last year. A little dinged up, but when he played, he showed some flashes. They've still got wide receivers. They just don't have a a specific number one. You can still win games without a a de facto number one in the NFL. I'm not worried about it. They'll they'll get a wide receiver. I'm not really too worried about them replacing DJ Moore's production. I don't know if I agree with that take of – you know, not needing a number one receiver. If you look at the teams – you need good receivers, yeah. I mean, you need need – if you don't have a number one receiver, you need a core of receivers. Maybe that's a better way to put it Uh, that can – you got a bunch of guys that can catch 40 50 balls a season that's cool because now you now you got it where you don't have one guy that the defense has to focus on uh like this past year kansas city who was kansas city's number one receiver who's travis the, kelsey but he's not a receiber you know what I mean? he is a receiver he, he, he finished like top 10 in all receiving he's, categories. he's a number one tight end out there him and george Kittle. i'll definitely give you that but out of the wide receiver room who would you say was the one on kansas city I'm I'm still sticking to Kelsey. I mean, because I mean, Juju wasn't hot. See, Hardman, but they all got it. They all got the ball, and by the end of the year, Pat Mahomes was throwing the dudes that were like third, fourth string wide receivers because everybody was hurt and still won the Super Bowl. So I mean, you can get there without like a number one receiver, and this debate of DJ was a one to begin with. There's a lot of people that claim he wasn't. Um, It was just productive because of the ineptitude of the team, but. 
you can i think maybe we shouldn't say he's a number one wide receiver we should say you can replace dj Moore. how about that you can replace dj Moore. yeah now to play devil's advocate you know if you spend any time on twitter or facebook or whatever people are saying hey let's uh go get deandre hopkins trade the cardinals for a second i know des wants to hop off after that um (laughs) He's got a, he's owed sixty million dollars over the next two years. Like he's got a thirty million dollar cap hit next year. Doesn't that kind of go against why we let DJ Moore go in the first place? Like a lot of that was financially driven. Why would we turn around and see? This is what <laughs> this is what I don't understand. What like Panther fans when they say these things, they're not looking at the whole picture. They just look at it Madden style. Like let's just trade this guy for this guy. Can't really do it. And plus, he's been popped for PEDs. He's had some injury issues. I know he's a local favorite because he went to Clemson. But no, like let's let's keep our eyes on the prize here and stay with younger uh, guys that can fit with the core. Like Miles Sanders is twenty five; they signed him to a four year deal. You know, like that fits along with the age group of where we are. Uh, the vets they come in, they'll probably be more defensive anyway. Um, so I, I don't think they'll even kick the tires on DeAndre Hopkins. The only person I would have unloaded money for, and you can't now because you trade up for the number one pick, it would have been Lamar Jackson, just because. 26-year-old, yeah. former MVP. You're only giving up two firsts for a Lamar Jackson. Uh, you instantly yeah. have a top three quarterback in the NFC. Easily. Yeah, but he hasn't, he hasn't finished a full season since before COVID. Like, that's a, still a concern for me. Because um, that's going on three seasons where either he lost the playoff game or didn't finish the season. Um, I'd seen... I think it was Dove Clyman I saw on Twitter, who's an NFL insider. He's usually pretty close to the truth. He said that uh, I need to check it because I've been all March Madness all day today. But he had put a, a thing out there that there was a rumor that uh, Tennessee was going to offer $255 million guaranteed five years to Lamar. Uh, and the Ravens weren't going to match it so that they would just take the two first and everything would be done. I haven't seen anything else about that today. And when that drops, I'm sure that'll be all over the place. But that works out to $51 million per season guaranteed. Uh, for Lamar, which is still lower than uh, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, if I'm not mistaken, per per year. So it's still not the highest per year salary in the NFL, but overall contract-wise, uh, in terms of guaranteed money, absolutely. But as far as I know right now, he's still in Baltimore. Um, but keep yours open for that. Keep your ears open. I still have a theory that I'm going to get into the next segment with a couple brothers, Ben and Joseph Camperman. They both have podcasts now, uh, but Desmond Johnson, thank you so much for being on. Where can they listen to the Believe in Panthers podcast? So you got multiple ways you can get to it. Um, if you go, go and subscribe to slash at Tobacco Road Sports Radio. You can see the Believe in Panthers podcast. You can see Out of Pocket with Michael Davis. Uh, the Rundown, my Saturday morning live show. Franchise players on uh, on there. Try it all stars. All of our programming, like studio shows, are all on the, the YouTube channel. Um, and we'll actually have a, a high school all-star basketball showcase that'll be streamed there Saturday. Uh, I have to go to Wilmington for that. So uh, you can get all that there or on any major podcast platform. Just search Tobacco Road Sports Radio. All of our shows will pop up uh, underneath everything from out of pocket to everything I just mentioned. So real easy to find us. Please rate and subscribe. Uh, we're trying to build up the YouTube channel. So definitely, um, if you like what you see over at the YouTube channel, just subscribe, tell your friends, share it. Uh, and we just appreciate all the support everybody's been giving us. And you can see our lovely faces every week, whether it's Believe in Panthers podcast, <laughs> whether it's out pocket Michael Davis. Uh, we got to get into a break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you where Lamar Jackson should land oh, this wait. year. Uh, uh, do you want this breaking news or? Go for it. This just in from Adrian Wojnarowski. Michael Jordan is engaged in serious talks to sell the majority stake in the Charlotte Hornets. So, uh, hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Throw that fish in there as I walk out the room. You need a week to uncap all that before we talk about it next week. Uh, I, <laughs> Maybe on the rundown. I'm looking through it now. It just says, uh, He's, he's in talks to sell to a group led by Hornets minority owner Gabe Plotkin and Atlanta Hawks minority owner Rich Schnall. No deals imminent, imminent um, but there's significant momentum on a sale. And they put uh, Plotkin and Schnall would be the co-governors of the Hornets. If a sale's completed, Jordan is expected to remain with a minority stake in the franchise. Uh, so that's something to look at. Um, 
Hmm. It's not it's not like he's been a great owner anyways. I mean, he paid 275 million for a majority stake in 2019. The club is worth like uh like 3 billion now or something like that. So not bad. Not bad investment. Uh I don't know. But 3 hey, billion? Yeah. Hornets worth like 3 billion dollars right now. So, I mean, the Knicks are worth like five and a half or something nuts. So, I mean, it's. <sighs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that one on inflation. <laughs> <laughs> they all, I mean, they always go up. They always go up just like the housing market. The the, the places always go up. The, 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 uh, the Panthers sold for what? Two billion a couple years ago. Yeah. And then uh, we just had it. The Broncos just sold for four <laughs> like a year or so ago. So it just constantly goes up. Just nobody's going to be taking the Cowboys off of the Jones's hands. I think but, they're the most valuable franchise in, on earth or something like that between them and like uh, Manchester United or something in the Yankees. Yeah. So, all right. Sorry. I didn't mean to stretch that, that long, but that just popped in right at the very end. Sorry about that. <laughs> hey, Michael Jordan might sell the Hornets. Ravens might sell Lamar Jackson to this team after the break. Welcome back to Alpaca and Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and WWBG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. We have a very special show that we're continuing. Thank you, Desmond Johnson, the host of the Believe in Panthers podcast, also the producer of Tobacco Road Sports Radio, for joining us that last segment and the breaking news about Michael Jordan potentially selling the team. I think we need a week to kind of digress on that before we get into, you know, potentially selling the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, but I'm bringing in a couple guys. One of them, you know, he's from the Camper Report, Mr. Ben Camperman. Ben, how are you doing today? Excited to be on for the third time, I believe it is, and um, ready to talk some football because I was trying to set up a show, well, like trying to make topics for my own show, and it's like there's too many moves to count in free agency. <laughs> it's like I can't do them all. So excited to talk as much football as we can. Way too many. It's hard to talk about, you know, all this stuff in like 15 minutes. And then he is the brother of Mr. Ben Camperman. It is Joseph Camperman with a new podcast. You just started a podcast, Long John Podcast. Joseph, it's your first time on Out Pocket. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Michael. It's uh, it's good to finally be on here. It's been a, it's been a while since uh, you started that we've been trying to work this out. I'm glad I'm finally able to get on there and and it works out perfectly because as of two weeks ago, I just launched the Long John podcast, which we'll get to, I'm sure, later on. But I'm excited. And thanks for having me. Of course, uh, you are always welcome, but not the hat. Uh, <laughs> so I, I mentioned this before, uh, just talking to Desmond Johnson about the Carolina Panthers quarterback situation, Lamar Jackson. And I started to pose this a little bit earlier. And we're seeing Aaron Rodgers joining the Jets. The trade hasn't been official as of now. I've kind of been off my phone today. Uh, but Lamar Jackson, and everybody's like, where could this guy land? Is the team going to give up all the money and two first-round picks for him? And I wanted to write by you guys first before we talk about like our individual free agency moves and teams. I think it is written in the stars that Lamar Jackson is a Chicago Bear in 2023. Wow. Wow. And it's not out of pocket. Joseph, I know it's your first time here. I believe none of my takes are out of pocket, but it's kind of written in the stars, okay? Wow, okay. If Aaron Rodgers. Wow. If Aaron Rodgers is leaving Green Bay, okay, now that division, their best quarterback is honestly Kirk Cousins at this point. Maybe Jared Chicago, Goff. Chicago just yeah. traded the first overall pick and for all that loot from Carolina. Mm. They have Justin Fields, but they don't really have a team. They have the most cap space in the NFL right now. And so all it would take is, hey, you have two firsts already from that Carolina trade. Just give that to Baltimore. Give Lamar his money, what he wants. You have DJ Moore, a wide receiver one. And hmm. then you have Justin Fields. And once you make that trade for Lamar, then you can trade Justin Fields easily for a first and a third round pick. And you've basically got Lamar Jackson for just the money at that point and having enough picks to surround him with the team. So that's 
That's not an out pocket take by me on out pocket with Michael Davis. Joseph, it's your first time on the show. Where where are you feeling with that theory? So at, honestly, it's funny because I sort of addressed this in my podcast that aired on Tuesday, but hit the the Ravens are running out of options for being able to trade Lamar to because if you look at the way free agency has played out already and the way the draft is looking like it's playing out, you know, there was rumor potentially of the Carolina Panthers getting Lamar. Then they made the big jump to number one, which pretty much ruled that possibility out. You know, I really, that's one area that I didn't think about. I still find it hard to believe that they give up on, on Justin Fields, but what you said is not bad. See, the thing is the Bears could literally trade two first round picks and not be setting their franchise back. Even if the Lamar Jackson trade doesn't work out two years from now. So my thought is give them a fully guaranteed three-year contract, trade your first two round picks. If it's after two years, it doesn't work. You, your, your franchise is not set back at all. And they have a load of cap space to pay. I just, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't disagree with you, but as far you as it being written in the stars, I, I disagree because I think that it would still be a huge shock because the Bears, in my opinion, are trying to take the same route that the Bengals took with um with Jamar uh, with um with Joey Burrow and and or Joe Burrow and the Eagles took with Jalen Hurts. Like you basically get all these picks, you surround your quarterback with guys, and you watch him flourish. And there's just nobody really to compete with in the NFC North right now. I mean, you can argue what you want about the Lions and the Vikings, but they're just not proven, and then we don't know what we're going to see out of I, – I think it's a great take. I, I really haven't actually thought about that enough, yeah. but that is totally possible. Ben, what are your thoughts? I mean, they have a ton of cap space. I mean, they've brought in – they now have a really good defense. They've brought in a uh, uh, two really good players. I mean, you have uh, Edmonds and then TJ Edwards, two really good linebackers. So they brought in – maybe more of the pieces that they would need to maybe lure Lamar Jackson to Chicago. Um, I think though, even though Miami said they weren't interested in Lamar Jackson, I find that a little bit not true. Like Miami, even though they said that they weren't uh, into Lamar Jackson, if you're any competent organization, you're going to do your due diligence and, and, uh, and seek out a trade and, Lamar Jackson because it's just I think right now Miami would be one of those top teams as well um, because you have the win now team and there's I mean Tua is a big question mark if he can stay healthy so Tua. I think Miami's a big one but yes Chicago has definitely got the pieces in place another team real quick that I would throw out there the Falcons I mean they signed Caleb McGarry right tackle they really shored up their I think they signed another guard as well so they really shored up their strong. offensive line Lindstrom, yeah. So I, I would say that's another team. But and the only difference with those, as opposed to Chicago, is cap space. Yeah, and the it's money. true. Yep. Like that's I, true. I, it would it would bankrupt the Falcons to bring him in, even though I actually had the Falcons as my number one team to do it. Um, it it really would set them back. Whereas Chicago really could roll the dice. And I know Lamar's proven, but. Those injuries of the last two years, if I'm a general manager, are still concerning to me. But that's another story for another day. And well, and the Falcons – go ahead. And We'll go ahead with the Falcons. The Falcons already got Taylor Heineke. I think that was like a $10 million deal per year. And so it's like there. Yeah. And then they already made a few splash signings there. Uh, I'm just looking up here where Miami sits in the cap space situation. Uh, you can go ahead. Yeah, well – I was thinking about if if Lamar Jackson goes to Chicago, they're instantly you instantly have like a top four quarterback in the yeah. NFC, if oh, not yeah. top three, absolutely uh, depending on Rodgers, his movement, everything, and that could challenge the Eagles at the top of the NFC. Yeah, it's true. And, and it was really cool because I've won this for so long. You know, Cowboys, Eagles, 49ers were the top three teams in the NFC this past. It's year. true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Joseph, your your team is kind of frustrating right now because yeah, <laughs> y'all retained Jason Kelsey, y'all cut Darius Slay and are re-signing him. <laughs> hey, yes, hey, sir. that that was out of pocket right there. Joseph. That was out of pocket. <laughs> that was out of pocket. Um, thankfully y'all lost Miles Sanders. I'm thinking y'all lose C.J. Gardner Johnson, who was a big part of your yeah, run to the Super Bowl that you guys lost just FYI. 
And uh, I just want your take from an Eagles fan real quick of like what your team's done in free agency. Do you think they've done enough to make it back to the Super Bowl? So that's a loaded question. I will say the Kelsey move was great because we, we lost our right guard in free agency. And we have a backup center in Cam Jurgens out of Nebraska who was going to slot in and play center, but then we would have this glaring hole at right guard, which we really didn't even have a rookie to fill, so we would have to draft someone. Now that Kelsey comes back, Jurgens is actually going to slot to the right guard. He gets to play along one of the best lines in the NFL, and he gets to learn from Kelsey for a full year. So that's actually, I think, an underrated it's, – it's not only does it help the Eagles bringing one of the best centers back, but it also helps the future center that's going to take his position actually play with him all year long. So that's my number one thing. Losing Sanders hurts, but after seeing how much the Panthers gave him, which I know doesn't seem like a lot, but I'm not big on paying running backs. I think Sanders was a great player, but we just got Rashad Penny. We're rolling the dice on his ability to stay healthy, but I think when healthy, he can be equally, if not better, in this system because we have such a good line. And we have Kenneth Gainwell, and we re-signed Boston Scott. It, the, our running back core is no longer flashy, but I think it's very, um, I think it's very competent. There's a guy like um, out of Tulane, um, which we I think we could get potentially in like the fourth round. Um, he's a running back that's more of a bruiser with some knee injury issues. Um, Maybe Jameer Gibbs in the second round. I, I just don't see us really focusing on running back because even Boston Scott, who to be honest, I'm an Eagles fan, but he's not like the best running back. Even he functions in that system, and I just. I, I'm not relying on him, but I don't value running the running back position as high because of the line. Um, I will say, as far as losing Gardner Johnson, I, I think you're probably right, but bringing back Darius Slay isn't costing us any money against the cap this year. So they actually still have money to bring back Dar um, Gardner Johnson, which I know you don't want to hear, but um, there's a real chance. They, they're, apparently, they're really pushing to try to sign him. The real question is <laughs> whether or not they can. So. Um, I don't think they've done enough to bring, go back to the Super Bowl. but I will say that they brought back Cox and Graham on relatively low deals to bolster that D line. They still have a hole at linebacker that they need to fill, but they have two first round picks and they have three picks in the first two rounds. I'm confident that they can do enough to at least compete in the NFC, but every year there's a new NFC team that gets better. And like last year for me, it was the Giants. As much as it pains me to say, they had a huge turnaround. Who's it going to be this year? I, I think it's going to, you know, there's going to be more than, you know, like your three, your Dallas, your 49ers, and your Eagles. Those are your, were your three last year. I think all three of those remain relevant. I think there's going to be a fourth or fifth that joins the fold this year again. So. Detroit, maybe Chicago if they have Correct. Lamar yeah, Jackson. Yeah, who knows? Yep. Now, I know oh, yeah. YouTube audience probably got a kick of it. I tried closing my ears. <laughs> Well, I have a headset on, so that just made it worse. That, <laughs> that, right? that was awful. Um, but Ben, uh you 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 guys beat us in the playoffs. But then you lost like we Joseph's always team. do. You lost to Joseph's team, the Eagles <laughs> in the Shut AFC up. title game. So you you probably hate the Eagles and Joseph just as much as I do. Of course. Um but your team's kind of been a little quieter this offseason. You got Steve Wilkes in, defensive coordinator. Um, you're, you're still kind of question mark about quarterback. What are you thinking about your team uh, at the beginning of this year's free agency? I think quarterback, I think we're going to probably put Brock Purdy, obviously, on IR for the first four weeks of the season, and then we're going to roll with Trey Lance, or we're going to have a battle between um, between uh, Sam Darnold and Trey Lance. And I think really the thing is, is Sam Darnold has not had a team as talented as this in his whole career. So I think Kyle Shanahan thinks if I can just get a guy like Sam Darnold who has a little bit of an arm, can move a little bit and build up his confidence, maybe he could be something in this league with this 49ers team. So I think that competition between Trey Lance and Sam Darnold actually could be pretty interesting yeah. in tra um, training camp. Now, if Trey Lance loses that job, I will. I want Trey Lance to win it because if he loses that job to Sam Darnold for the first four weeks, then we probably are going to try to trade Trey Lance to some team for some low round pick. So I, we need Trey yeah. Lance to win that competition. Um, but then Brock Purdy, I expect to come back uh, after four weeks. And then what was your second question? 
Well, I'm just kind of fab- oh, Steve fabric- Steve fabric-glass it about, you know. Did you say Sam Darnold could be your starter this year? Yeah. I Wild mean, times, right? That yeah. That's not that, – that just – I don't know why as a 49ers fan well, you and would love that. Carolina Panthers year. fans in North Carolina rejoice that Sam but, Darnold's not back. Now they did it. sign Andy He's Dalton a good teammate, though. I think he's a good teammate, though, and I think that he's not going to affect the locker room, and there's not going to be this rift that is going to push every time Trey Lance throws an interception to get rid of him. Exactly. So I think that that could yeah. be the benefit because it's going to take more pressure off Trey Lance, whereas this stupid Jimmy Trey Lance thing last year, they could, he couldn't shake it. Um, can I do one quick out-of-pocket thing to add on? I'm yeah. saying this right now. Clellan Farrell may be the best signing in free agency as an underrated signing. This is why, because if anybody's going to do well in that defense, it's going to be a defensive end for the 49ers. And Clem O'Farrell yeah. was a great pick out of Clemson. Um, and I'm just saying, out of pocket, it's really bold because he's not it's that good. It's a one-year contract, right? Like, I will say, I will say Arden Key, you guys remember him, also came from the Raiders, and now he's getting contracts. And I think... I mean, Clayland Farrell has, I mean, he's been, been a bust, but he hasn't been bad. You put him yeah. next to Nick Bosa, he's going to get single yeah. teams. Obviously, exactly. Javon Hargrave in the middle. You got Eric Armstead. I think that piece was a depth signing yeah. that we really badly needed because that's a cheap guy that he's a hit or miss player. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have Drake Jackson, who we drafted in the second round last year. So I like what where our defense is. And Steve Wilkes, he might bring some new philosophies to this team. I mean... Maybe we could see Demonjor Lenore uh, moving to nickel corner. He was an outside corner this year. Um, and then we obviously got Isaiah Oliver, a guy who started, I think, 38 games with the Falcons. He could start at outside corner. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what Steve Wilkes cause, does because he could bring in a whole new philosophy. We'll see. And who knows if the 49ers and Eagles remain at the top. I, I yep. think they have teams. They, they have teams that they could – uh, stay elevated there and Dallas. I'm, I mean, I gotta mention my own team. You know, if, of if I if I bring Joseph on with the Eagles, I gotta <laughs> I gotta back up my Cowboys. That, right? I'm shocked at what they've done this year in free agency. They yep. don't usually make a splash. They go and trade for Stephon Gilmore to go up. You know, opposite sides of Trayvon Diggs. That was they a got, good. That was a good. Brought Leighton Vanderesh back on yep. low money, like very low money, eleven mil. Yep, and. I think this is the most telling move is Dallas actually parted ways with Ezekiel Elliott. And the that boldest told, move in the Jerry Jones era. <laughs> and, and and that told me <laughs> yeah. that Jerry Jones is willing to not listen to his emotions. Yeah. Somebody is in his ear saying this yeah. is the t- direction the team needs to move forward. Or was or was this a Steven Jones move that sort of is, is you're seeing the usurping of I, I thought about that potentially. I mean, it, it, it very well could. I mean, Tony Pollard, it's who true. knows if he comes back from the fractured fibia or whatever, is basically yeah. a broken We leg. did that, so Eagles fans, thank us. <laughs> ben, that was out of pocket, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to justify that. You're just like <laughs> your brother and the Eagles fan base that cheer on injuries, okay? No, I that, was that, sure. that is. I actually really like Tony Pollard because he helped me out in fantasy this year. And you didn't hear that You're from welcome. an Eagles fan, but um, my I have a question for you. Do you think that Gil- Gilmore can still compete? I know he's not old, but um, do you think that he's? I, I mean, there was the big gaping hole for the Cowboys last year. We had talked about this. There, they the only they could just solve that cornerback two spot, and you saw what it did for the Eagles last year when you brought in um, James Bradbury. It was huge. So my question for you is: Do you think that Gilmore can still compete at a high enough level? I mean, I would seem to think yes, but. I think so, especially when you pair him with Trayvon Diggs and Deron Bland, who led the team in interceptions last year. You could put him in the slot if you want to. Like you, he can very well mentor these younger guys, and especially with Jordan Lewis coming off injury, Anthony Brown coming off injury. I I, I feel really good about Dallas's direction after free agency, but uh, we got to get into a break. But before we do, uh, where can they find y'all? Uh, ben, we'll start with you. So you can find me, uh, just my name is right there on YouTube, The Camper Report. Um, We do everything NFL. So I did last Saturday, real quick, I did a 
um, uh, interview with a Jets fan. So just if you want stuff from all around the NFL, go there. And then on Twitter at camper one report. So find me there as well. And Joseph. Yeah. So I just started my podcast. You can find my podcast on Apple and Spotify at the long John podcast. You can also find me on YouTube. So subscribe on YouTube, the long John podcast. You can find me on Twitter at the long John pod and on Instagram at the long John podcast. And the cool thing about Instagram is on Sundays, I release my weekly news report. Check that out. That sort of gives a preview of what my podcast is going to be about. I go into more detail, obviously, on the podcast, but that drops every Sunday. And I talk about, you know, typically it's right now football, but I'll delve into um, um, basketball, especially when the NBA goes to the finals, um, not in finals, goes to the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, check me out on YouTube, Spotify. I'm also on TikTok at the Long John Podcast. So, trying to spread my name out there. And thank you so much for having me. So, Hey, of course, go check those podcasts out. We got to get into a break. Continuing this very special podcast edition of Alpago with Michael Davis, bringing in podcast hosts. We'll bring in Ryan Frick, the host of Tap Outs and Touchdowns, next after the break to talk some wrestling, celebrating Austin 316 Day, and commemorating Scott Hall. That will be next on Alpago with Michael Davis, right after the break. Go, birds. <laughs> Welcome back to Al Paco and Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, WWBG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup for this very special edition of St. Patty's Day, and somebody got the cue today. We are joined by a show favorite right here. We got the host of Tap Outs and Touchdowns, Ryan Frick. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm ready to go to this... uh... I got a hockey game tonight with my hometown team playing my uh, my current team, um, but uh, I'm not wearing any of their garb. I'm, I'm going all decked out St. Patty's Day. Let's uh, let's get drunk tonight, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> let's do hey, it. Hey, there, there, there's something. There's a few days of the year that are meant for uh, just letting loose. You know, having a DD. You know, being responsible. But we're, we'll 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 keep it a what's, little G, a little. What, what's 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 the fun in being responsible? It's St. Patty's Day. It's becoming my new holiday. Let's make bad choices. <laughs> Let's make bad choices. But we do not condone drinking and driving. Just absolutely not. Absolutely, absolutely not. not. Yeah. Because if you if you if you hit a bump, you might spill your beer. Hey, and Come on, also that's a good joke. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Also, yesterday was meant for drinking because I don't know if you know this. It was Austin three sixteen day, uh, March sixteenth. Uh, we had a great time, got to watch some college basketball, some March Madness. You and I are doing a March Madness bracket right now, a little pool action. Uh, hopefully my bracket wins. Honestly, it's not looking good right now for me. Yeah, I think you said you had Virginia in the Final Four. Uh, they got knocked out by my my local team, Furman. So I was hoping to see Furman in College of Charleston in the, in the round of 32. College of Charleston got got beat by uh, San Diego State, so still rooting for Furman, even though I don't have them, because um, I've got either College of Charleston or Virginia in the Sweet Sixteen in both of my brackets. So uh, let's go, let's go, Dens, F U all the time. I think that's it's. Oh, it's no, the the, the uh, no, slogan, no, no. <laughs> the slogan, the slogan for Furman is F U one time, F U two times, F U three time, F U all the time, because the the initial the you know the abbreviated Furman University is F U. And it's, they're, Fer they're, it's Furman University, guys. Just yeah, FYI. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm not I'm not being dirty. That's the actual <laughs> slogan of the university, and they're a religious religious affiliated university. So take that for what it's worth, because it's uh it's not meant to be dirty at all, guys. This is all in good fun. Yeah, get your head out of the gutter. Come on now, uh, Austin three sixteen day being yesterday. Uh, I just wanted to like kind of recap on his career just for a couple minutes, you know, because he did really he was the face of the attitude era you know you had the rock you had the undertaker you had Shawn michaels triple h you had mankind but the one guy that people recognize whether they're a wrestling fan or not or used to watch it and don't anymore is stone cold steve austin so ryan i just wanted to ask if you had like any big match or moment that sticks out with stone cold's career maybe the moment that made him stone cold steve austin 
I mean, it's hard to it's hard to like focus on one because one of my my first ever WWE show was a kid. He was in a strap match against Savio Vega, and if he lost, then Ted DiBiase was out of WWE. Um, so that one stands out to me because that was one of my first shows and my first really introduction in to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, I'd have to go to I believe it was SummerSlam '98 when Owen Hart uh, dropped him on his head because um, that sort the of broken you know, soul. Yeah, it it sort of. Uh, I don't want to say it jumpstarted his career because he was already he was already like white hot at that time. Uh, he was about to win his first Intercontinental Championship. He did, um, and you could see him sort of fight to get out of the ring on his own. Um, and I think that stand that stood out is is part of like he knew that the rocket ship was on his back and he wasn't going to do anything to let him uh, be slowed down. And then um, on my show, Tapouts and Touchdowns, we did a we did a deep dive that actually we premiered a few weeks ago on the 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 rivalry between rock and stone cold and i think the uh of all the matches the um the stone cold match where the rock finally beat stone cold steve austin at wrestlemania to sort of end stone cold steve austin's career stood out because it was his last match like he you know he had left he'd come back he had battled injuries because of his neck um I, I think you know that one stands out as being his last match because nobody knew it was coming until it had already happened um, well, I, I hate that I took all of the all of the big matches away from you, considering you asked <laughs> for one match. Uh, well, so I apologize there. I mean, moments to me mattered more. You know, you could point out Austin getting you know physical with Mike Tyson in the ring. Uh, that boomed in terms of just like the pop culture and WWE ties, WWF at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm talking like even going way back to King of the Ring, where oh, yeah. he made the you know. John 316 reference and saying Austin 316 just whipped your A double crooked layer to quote Road Dog. <laughs> I just combined a Stone Cold and a Road Dog uh, quote. Yeah, right. <laughs> How can you get better than that? Yeah, and it's and it's hard to deny that that moment at the Royal Rumble would have been prevented had Triple H not gone out for the curtain call. Um, I mean, he was slated to win the King of the Ring that year, and instead they put it on Austin, and and the rest is history. I mean, you talked about his 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 you know, moments with, with Mike Tyson, that, that WrestleMania match with Shawn Michaels, where he won his first WWE title. It was the last time we saw the winged Eagle championship on WWE yeah. TV, uh, because the next night they would, they would redo all the titles. So, um, yeah, I mean, Stone Cold, I mean, I mean, you want to talk about moments, you can talk about the beer truck, you could talk about the Zamboni, you can talk about filling Vince McMahon's car with, with conch or cement. Um, I mean, there's just too many, to really like bring it down to just one, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Stone Cold's last match being The Rock. Kind of forgetting last year, Kevin Owens, and now there's rumors that he might be competing against LA Knight. I I just want to say, I do not want to see that match. No disrespect to LA Knight, but you got your one off against Kevin Owens in your home state of Texas. I'm okay with Stone Cold coming out at WrestleMania and just giving LA Knight a stunner. That's yeah. fine, but come on. Like, I, I'm considering his last match the one with The Rock because that was the last match he wore tights. He wore his, he wore his ring gear, his, his vest, his tights. Um, I mean, Bret Hart had a match against The Miz where he won the United States Championship, and he was in tennis oh. shoes, jean shorts, and a hockey jersey or a hockey sweater. So um, but That was horrible. Bret Hart could not be physical because of his head injury issues. Like, he could not take a bump. He could not take a hit. Um, and so that I don't consider, even though he won the United States championship, I don't consider that Bret Hart's last match. I don't know. I, I'd have to go back and see what his last match he actually wrestled was. But from a, from a wrestling standpoint, like the Stone Cold Steve Austin, Kevin Owens match was a street fight. It wasn't a wrestling match. Um, because his last match was with the rocket at, at WrestleMania where, you know, he, he wore his tights, he wore his vest and, you know, he came out to the ring with the intention of wrestling and, and not like a segment that turned into a street fight. So um, you know, I'm not forgetting the Kevin Owens. I'm one of the few people in my circle who enjoyed that match. And he I was loved it. happy to see Stone Cold Steve Austin back in the ring, considering he looked like he was in his best shape that he had been in since even prior to his retirement. So uh, kudos to him for getting in shape for that match. And I mean, he sold well for, for Owens. He took some bumps that, you know, sort of um, scary for knowing, knowing his neck injury history. But um, yeah, I sometimes in that match. Uh, but ho hopefully Stone Cold is like, hey, I can 
I can ride into the sunset officially after that dream match with Kevin Owens. Um, and we'd be remiss without mentioning that while it is Austin 316 day yesterday, uh, it's also been the one year without Scott Hall and his passing. I'm wearing an Outsiders t-shirt uh, very specifically for Mr. Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, that I got to meet along with Kevin Nash and Sean Waltman at a wrestling convention here when I was like maybe like 14, 15. It, it was awesome. That's, uh, that's it was great. really cool. Um, but, you know, he had a real impact on the business with, you know, being the first cool bad guy to forming the NWO that AEW is trying to capitalize on <laughs> the women's division. I don't oh, know if I love it or I just am disgusted by it. I, I haven't decided there, but in regards to Scott Hall and Razor Ramon, is there a moment that sticks out to him in terms of like his contribution to the business or a big match or moment feel taser? Maybe listen, that was one of the, that was one of the three pay-per-views my mom ever bought me was that, mm -hmm. um, was that Starcade pay-per-view where he cost Goldberg the title. Um, again, on my show, I've, I've gone on record as a saying that Goldberg Street should have been at Halloween Havoc that year against Diamond Dallas Page. Diamond Dallas Page was the hottest hottest uh, babyface next to Goldberg in WCW, but we're not here to talk about DDP, even though DDP prolonged Scott Hall's life, in my opinion. Um, you know, he took Scott Hall in. Uh, DDP's the wrestler whisperer. He's now brought in... Um, uh, Buff Bagwell, Marcus Bagwell, to to try to get him back on the right track. So, kudos to DDP. But for, from a Scott Hall standpoint, um, I didn't get to see Scott Hall in WWE as Razor Ramon until after his WWE career was over, um, which is unfortunate because it would have been really cool to actually see that in action. Um, when I was a kid, um, my mom, we went to a toy store. My mom let me pick out one toy. Um, and there was like four of them there. It was like Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, Diesel, and Razor Ramon. And I got The Undertaker, and I would never see a Diesel or Razor Ramon action figure like that again wow. because they would leave WWE and they'd be gone. So um, my first memory is, is obviously the most impactful, and that's when he left WWE and famously showed up on, on Nitro and nobody knew about it, um, forever changing the business. Um, he was instrumental in... Uh, guaranteed contracts in, in the wrestling business. Um, you know, he sort of wrote his own check for WCW, if you will. Um, so from, from a moment standpoint, that's gotta be, it was his, was his debut on nitro because that forever changed the wrestling business from a match standpoint. Um, again, it was post his WWE career, but they used to have these WWE WWF home videos that I got my hands on. And it was the, uh, it was the rematch ladder match between Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels at, I believe, SummerSlam. I want to say it was 1996. It was the rematch to the WrestleMania ladder match, um, which is, which is I believe, they, they said it was the first ladder match in WWE history, or at least at WrestleMania. Um, so, uh, and that, that also went down as one of the best ladder matches of all time. Um, you know, more, you know, much less at WWE. So, um, those, those two moments, his Nitro debut, and that rematch for the ladder match from WrestleMania 10 uh, are the two like long-standing memories that I have that, wow, this guy can go because I mean, Scott Hall won that ladder match at SummerSlam and, um, and he just, uh, I don't know. He just, he did so much for the business that like not a lot of people talk about him about us. I mean, I say, I say that there's plenty of people that talk about his contribution to the business, but when you think about pro wrestling, you think about guys like Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, the rock uh, even Randy Savage to an extent, but like dusty roads, but for whatever reason, Scott Hall's name is never thrown out there. And I think for all intents and purposes, it absolutely should. Um, so very sad to know that this is the one year anniversary of, of losing Scott Hall. Yeah. And I think about Kevin Nash and just like the stuff he's went through with like losing Scott Hall, then losing his son within a year span. Um, just thinking about all his loved ones. And honestly, both Scott and Kevin kind of changed the contract dynamic in the wrestling business. And one guy that comes to mind currently is Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt comes back, big money, has a lot of merch sales. And I was really excited about Bray Wyatt's return. And I know some people are, you know, iffy on Bray. I love Bray. But in reality, he's only wrestled one match in the last seven months and you want to do you really want to call that a match though 
I'll call the pitch black match a match. I, I loved it, but would you really call it a match? I'll call it a match. Bell to bell. It was like five minutes, but it was a match. It was it was theater, but we'll it, agree to disagree. Hey, I, mean, I, I loved every second of it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I liked not going it. To, I'm not going to come out here and, and take a big dump on it. I loved it. I'm again in the I guess minority of people who loved it. Um, but I wouldn't call it a match. That's 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 sort of a stretch. But in terms of like him being on contract for six seven months, only wrestled one match. He may or may not now wrestle at WrestleMania. There's rumors, reports going around that he's dealing with a physical issue or it's a creative disagreement, uh, which would be very disappointing. Uh, would you call this Bray run a bust, a disappointment? Do you think he misses WrestleMania against Bobby Lashley? Um, it depends on if we never got a payoff. So I thought the stuff that he was doing to sort of troll – Bobby Lashley was really good TV. I think Bray Wyatt is not the type of character that needs to wrestle every week. If you remember Sting, one of the most ener energetic and charismatic wrestlers of the 90s, went a year and a half without actually wrestling or even talking on TV for WCW. Um, Bray Wyatt is the kind of character that doesn't need to wrestle every week. Um, he is there for entertainment. He is there for his darkness. He was there for everything um, to, to sort of... Um, you know, add to the mystique of Bray Wyatt. Um, from that standpoint, I don't think it's been a disappointment at all because we've all speculated who's Uncle Howdy when it's it's pretty obvious that it's Bo Dallas. Um, you can when he when he when he I believe when he attacked Bobby Lashley, whatever the case is, you could hear a scream that it was Bo Dallas. Uh, there's pictures rolling around where you can see the same cross earring that he wore, same it's, gap in the teeth, same yeah. beard. It, it's Bo. It's Bo Dallas. Um, they pulled Alexa Bliss away to, to present that, that storyline at some point. So I would say his return will be a disappointment if we don't get a payoff. Now, it's hard to sort of buy into the rumors because of what we've seen with Bray Wyatt in the past. Um, I truly believe that if there are creative differences, and that's why he left that Vince McMahon is behind it because we had no issues, no issues when everybody was aware that it was just Triple H running the show. And when the rumors started, you know, uh, swirling around that Vince was back to sell the company. And now there's rumors that he has his hands of creative. If, if his hands are in this cookie jar and he ruins another Bray Wyatt return, another Bray Wyatt storyline, that doesn't fall on Bray Wyatt. I don't. I, I don't appreciate the fact that people wanted to again uh, to, to to try to be, keep it clean to take another dump on Bray Wyatt if he left because of creative reasons. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but if it's a physical issue, then people need to stop running their mouths because we don't we don't know what this guy's going through. He wasn't in the same shape that he was in when he first came out as is Funhouse Bray Wyatt and the Fiend. There was a lot of cool stuff that was set up from um, from all of these vignettes and all these videos that he was doing. Um, so if it is a physical issue, then everybody who's come out and tried to take a dump on Bray Wyatt for leaving again because of creative differences needs to issue a public apology, in my opinion. Because they're, they're all talking out of their A, double crooked letters, if you will. Um, and so they, you know, listen, I love Bray Wyatt as a character. He's... He's never going to be Daniel Bryan. He's never going to be AJ Styles. He's never going to be Kenny Omega. He doesn't want to be. He doesn't need to. Exactly. And for that, from that standpoint, neither was Mick Foley in any of his uh, in any of his uh, personas. McCactus um, Jack, dude, love mankind. He wasn't the greatest wrestler in the world, but the characters got him over. The characters have gotten Bray Wyatt over. And so people needing to have this like five-star match every time Bray Wyatt comes out the tunnel is, is fooling themselves. Bray Wyatt's a great character. He's a great entertainer, which is what WWE is at the end of the day. And um, I, I, I don't know if we're going to see him at WrestleMania. I, you know, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't have a lifeline. I don't have Bray Wyatt's number like, hey, dude, what's going on, man? Like, like where are you at? <laughs> um I'd like to see him at WrestleMania. I didn't like the idea of him versus Bobby Lashley in the first place. Um, 
But if we don't see him, then we, we get to avoid that. If we do, um, you know, hey, we get what we all asked for and we get Bray Wyatt back on TV. So um, I think people just need to pump the brakes and just let what happens happens and, uh, and let him, you know, let him create his own narrative and let him tell his side of the story, whatever that story may be. And the idea that Vince McMahon has ruined this Bray Wyatt return kind of makes me want to go off and, you know, celebrate St. Patty's Day and forget about it. So we got to get out of here. Um, Ryan Frick, where can they find you? Obviously, tap outs and touchdowns. When do you drop your episodes? So my wrestling episodes, we haven't had one in a couple of weeks. Uh, WrestleMania is coming up, so we should be having an episode this week. And then uh, PJ, Steven, and I are going to be live with some new episodes in a couple weeks. Um, our football shows go on Thursday. Banker Bill and I have been doing a lot of XFL talk. There's a lot of free agency taking place this past week. Uh, so we had a really, some really fun conversation there. Those episodes drop on Thursdays. You can find the podcast wherever you go. Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. On social, you can find me at Tapouts and Touchdowns uh, on, on Twitter. Um, you can go to Facebook.com slash Tapouts and Touchdowns at Tapouts and TDs um, on, on the Twitter. So, um, yeah, as, as always, man, this is a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you having me today. Of course, you can catch both Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast and Tap Outs and Touchdowns as part of the Wrestling Wednesday lineup on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Ryan, we got to get out of here. We got to soak our sorrows with Vince potentially ruined Bray Wyatt. But everyone, it's been a great episode, great podcast host episode. A lot of podcast hosts on the show today. Uh, super excited. You can go back and watch it on YouTube. But everyone, have a great weekend. And Ryan, I am taking you down this XFL Fantasy League. Yeah, we'll see.